welcome to episode 67 of the Utah Royals FC show. I've got Lucas and I've got RJ with me. How are you two doing? So good. The U.S. are champions. It's been a fantastic week so far. We had the weirdest, strangest NWSL week we could possibly ask for. And then we had the U.S. held scoreless at halftime and winning 2 nothing with Becky Sauerbrunn having to bleed her own blood. So I'm pumped. I'm on two hours of sleep and about 15 cups of coffee today. Yeah, it has not been bad for a Monday. Sorry about no podcast last week. We had tech issues, and then I had my own unexpected stuff going on. But here we are, lots to talk about. I feel like we've already talked about half the thing because we were chatting for like a half hour before we hit record. Um, But we are in for a good show today, folks. I am super stoked. So, um, before we talk about the World Cup, let's talk about Sam Johnson a little bit. So Sam Johnson, obviously retiring. And this whole story is so cool to me. I'm glad that Laura talked about it in the post game, which you recorded, Lucas, but it's a bummer that the other players weren't really allowed to. I think it was Taryn shut him up. Was it was it Taryn? Yeah, I mean what happened there was um PR was told they they weren't gonna make any announcement, they weren't gonna discuss uh, Johnson's retirement. Um, and then uh, Ryan from Deseret News, Ryan's fantastic, great dude, um, asked asked Laddish about just like about Johnson. It was a very general question. And her answer was so funny because it was so noncommittal and like positive, but like you could not draw that Johnson was going to retire, even though it was like clear something was going on. And then Harvey comes in and, you know, we talk about the game and, you know, she's pretty down. And I, I asked the question, you know, we've seen a bunch of social media posts about Johnson retiring. Can you comment? And then she just opened up about it. Um, but by the time that Gunny came into the um, post-match conference, um, PR wasn't aware that it had already been discussed. And so tried to ask about it and we're told, like, not going to talk about that Um and and they apologize later because yeah, Terrence Terrence's a good guy. He just, you know, was told we can't we're not discussing this and didn't know that Laura had had already talked about it. Yeah, good at Terrence doing his job. Um, yeah. So I have a problem with this as somebody who like has media things that they have to do. Um, I have a big problem with how this was handled, and this is not a Utah Royals thing. This is an NWSL thing of like you can't not com- you can't no comment news like this and have everybody on different pages and then have players leak it and then not talk about it and just sort of like they Sky Blue has done this a lot, right? Like Christy Pierce changes her name, they don't put anything out about it. They just put her out on the roster or you know, they change coaches and they don't put her out. And these are these are more serious. The, the coaching thing is definitely more serious. But a player retiring, like, I understand, like, she did not want a large celebration. But these are things that a functional league should be putting out in the course of normal events 
whether a player wants a send-off or not. Like, it just is part of normal media practices for every other league. I I agree with that. I just think it was sort of like a miscommunication wanting to wait till after the game. I mean, it, it wasn't like Sky Blue where they literally haven't named a head coach and every like player or not every player, but every member of the coaching staff skipped media in the, in the win over Chicago. But I see what you mean. But like as a league, they should not allow things like this to just be post game things. Like this should be something the league is. If a player is retiring this is when this information needs to be in. This is when the media, like these are things that the media association of which I am a member has been working on for a long time. And this to me felt a little bit like a fail of a club, not putting out information and not really having a strategy to put that out and not really having a good reason not to put it out. Yeah. I mean, I think it came down to, that's what, um, Sam wanted and like I wouldn't fault a player for that but it did it did come off a little strange you know uh which is unfortunate but you know like I can understand wanting to you know not make a big deal out of your retirement the flip side being it does make the club look like they're caught off guard and they've known about this and been prepared for it for months it's just I think an awkward transition yeah yeah Either way, um, I mean, going back to her her actual retirement, I'm kind of sad about it. Um, we knew it was coming a little bit, at least, or we had an inkling it was coming before kickoff. Um, but she wants to do things outside of soccer, and I think it's awesome that she stuck with the team. So just to sort of, if you haven't listened to Laura's comments, go scroll down on the um, RSL Soapbox Twitter, Lucas put it up, but she came up to Laura Harvey in preseason and said she wanted to do something other than football. They tried to find a replacement for her. They couldn't get it done. And Sam Johnson pretty much just said, I'm going to stick around until you don't need me anymore. And then they looked at the schedule and they just sort of agreed on, okay, this game against Rain FC, players will be coming back from the World Cup. Looks like we're going to have a bye week here. Let's just do it. And so they kept it quiet. Players didn't know until about two months beforehand. But I think in terms of a chemistry thing and just sort of a respect thing, players wanted to know. So I think that's when uh, folks were pulled aside and it's something they wanted to do. Um, I think the way they paid homage to her, her teammates is really cool. They, um, they Everyone dressed up in like a Sam Johnson-esque outfit because she has a really – um, interesting and eccentric, but yet exciting and really cool style of fashion. And so everyone dressed as her um, going into that game. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, another thing that's really cool is that um, she made it very clear to Gabby Vincent that she wanted Gabby to be ready. She wanted Gabby um, to be ready for NWSL minutes. And that was sort of her goal to leave the club in good hands um the club wanted to do a big pregame thing she didn't want it to be about her and she didn't so that's it uh she had 14 appearances for the utah royals that's actually one more than kristen press she made 68 appearances with chicago since 2014 and if you include her time 
in Australia. She's made over a hundred career appearances. Yeah, I asked. Um, so I was at uh, training on Friday, um, and I, I spoke to Gabby Vincent after, um, and that was one of the things I asked about just what Sam meant to the team, um, and specifically, like Laura had said, they worked really hard on on um, Sam preparing Gabby to be an NWSL level center back. And it was really cool. She gave a really good answer. Like if you go under my Twitter feed, that's not too far back. Um, And she talked about, um, Gabby talked about, yeah, like Sam, big asset to the team that she really appreciated playing with her, but also some very specific things that I thought were cool, like how to go into a challenge. Um, Like I really like the the specificity of that. Um, And that like, it seemed like she genuinely learned some good, defensive things from Johnson. Um, and that's really exciting to see that uh, like Sam didn't want to leave the team high and dry, but was willing to stand for half a season and help bring up a replacement. Um, and that, yeah, she, you know, Gabby said that she wished she could have played with her longer, but learned a ton. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. Very cool. Sam Johnson is a really interesting story to me because her goal was not to play professional soccer at least for a certain period of time she tried out for the Chicago Red Stars she made the team and then she went on for 68 appearances I think that she had probably been wanting to you know to use her degree or to um, you know do something else for a while and I wonder if that's why she asked to be included in the Kristen Press trade just because of how much admiration she had for Lara. And I wonder if Lara could have maybe um, given that extra spark again. I don't think it's that she didn't love the game, but I think that um, maybe these thoughts were already in her head beforehand and she wanted to see if she could make that transition to, I don't know, maybe want to stick it out. This is just what I'm thinking. I don't know for sure, um, but that could play a factor into it. I have possibly a controversial opinion, but I think this is absolutely a failing of the league. Like, this should not happen. In a professional sports league, this should absolutely not happen. Like, a player should not play for two and a half months to have to platoon a position because A, there's no backup, and B, they have a better offer on the table. Like, this is showing the weaknesses of the NWSL. Like, and this is not on Sam Johnson, this is not on the Utah Royals, this is not on any particular single entity. This is on U.S. soccer, and this is on the NWSL. I don't think that's a controversial opinion at all. I think that's 100%. I mean, Samantha Johnson went to a great school, went to USC, right? got a great degree. I'm 90% sure she just finished up her master's. The league needs to change to be competitive. Think about how many good players there are that just either quit early. I think Christina Gibbons is a great example of that. Or just don't even try because there's no incentive if they're going to have to be poor. It's, I mean, I, I don't want to be a downer because I think Sam Johnson is, is a pretty great person and she was incredibly talented and I wish her all the luck in the world. Like, I don't want that to be mistaken for what I'm saying. But it does make me nervous when we're seeing these players slowly siphoned out of the league. 
It's horrible for the league. I am 100% in your corner, RJ. What are your thoughts on this, Lucas? Yeah, I... I, yeah, I don't think it's great, obviously. Um, hopefully more sponsorship deals uh, come up for the league and maybe that can change things in future. But yeah, I think that it's, it's concerning. You know, my my Wesso his, uh, knowledge is not as, as deep as um, yours, RJ, but like, I'm curious, do we see this in leagues past? Like I would assume it's probably always been somewhat of an issue. Um, it's just the NWSL has been significantly longer than the previous two leagues. We should probably talk about the World Cup. Um, my closing thoughts are, though, like, Sam Johnson, thank you. Like, if you didn't want to play uh, 10 games this season, but you stuck it out because you didn't want to leave folks out to dry, like, that's super tight of you. Thanks for doing that. I am 100%. And she's going to do a lot of cool things. She's, you know... She's a model, she's an influencer, she's doing all these great things. Like, there are other super awesome things on the horizon for her, and so I cannot wait to chat with her in hopefully a few weeks. Um, So, bummer, happy, let's talk about the World Cup, y'all. I don't know where to start on this one. We won... I think the the right, the right place to start is probably we should chant USA for the next half hour. Honestly, the thought that crossed my head during this game the most is, and I tweeted this out before the game, Laura Harvey, uh, Paul Riley, and Rory Dames have coached 11, I'm sorry, 10 out of the 11 starters in this game. And more if you look at the, the bench of players. Like, those three coaches in particular. And they're, you know, Mark Parsons has coached a bunch because of he's the current Thorns coach. Paul Riley was a past Thorns coach, current North Carolina coach. So he's touched a lot of people. Laura Harvey, obviously. Um, Rapino in Seattle. And then the, the Utah players now. Dames, the, the Chicago players. And you realize how much these players have been shaped by the NWSL, even the ones set in their career. Like, I don't think we see Kristen Press play the way she did in that semi against England without what Laura Harvey sort of allowed her to do last year. And more specifically in the first two games this year, Um, that's a much different look to Kristen Press than we've seen much more confident on the wing, much more, decisive much more sort of um just more more right like kelly o'hara sort of had her trials and tribulations getting her ankle ready but harvey sort of allowed her to play the style that she does for the national team but with a little more structure in utah um i think as i wrote in the piece about her i think it works better in utah but that's a different story um you know you see Sam Mewis, who obviously would not be on the national team without Paul Riley in, in North Carolina. So for me, looking at the lineup before the game and watching these players play, Rose Lavelle, you know, this amazing talent player that we're going to watch for the next eight to 12 years on the national team, willing, um, hopefully, like these players aren't around without the NWSL. Like the, even 
Pino, like, as much as she has always been Pino, Laura Harvey allowed her to do a lot of that as her time as a coach. She put people around Megan Rapinoe to allow her to be her most Pino. Um, so, yeah, as this game started and as this game progressed, the NWSL was really heavy in my in my mind. And you look like you look at players like Lavelle and Sonnet and Davidson and players that are sort of that next wave. And a lot of what they have to offer is because of the NWSL. I have a lot of thoughts about this World Cup. I think particularly the final. Um, I'm not going to lie and hide my feelings. Um, I wanted the Dutch national team to win this game just because I'm 50% Dutch, 50% American. But regardless, like for me personally, having my two teams in the final could not have gone better than me. Um, if I, I, I would have liked to maybe see, uh, like to maybe have seen a Dutch goal, but like the story could have barely been written any sweeter for me to see, you know, not just the United States win again, but also to see really just how much Dutch soccer has grown, especially considering the men's side of Dutch soccer has really sort of been kind of garbage since the, you know, Snyder von Persie era ended. It's just been, it's been awesome for me. And not just that, the entire tournament covering it has been, it's hard to put into words. I should have just like scripted it down, but it really just proves that the game is so, so, so beautiful. But I think where the flower will really blossom is once we start seeing that additional funding come to the NWSL, come to other leagues. Uh, I think particularly in European leagues, because there's so much potential, but you look like the Dutch, you you know, you look at the Dutch in the final and the Dutch domestic league is just garbage and barely existent. I think um, there were a lot of teams and not just European teams. I think African teams too, right? Uh, we had Cameroon in Nigeria in the round of 16. That's the first time we've had two African teams. Um, Brazil surprised a lot of people when Marta said that, or after Marta said this is the worst team she's ever played on. Um, Chile and Argentina have been fighting with their federations. They had um, some some great tournaments. I think that even if you are a diehard USA supporter, you want to see it get harder and harder for the United States to win these tournaments because that's the only way the game is going to grow. And ultimately, other teams getting better is going to push the USA to be better, and it's going to push domestic leagues to be better. And I think that um, if there is a takeaway from this tournament, other than it just being an incredible experience, the United States winning again, it's that the gap is closing. And that's ultimately, I think, what anyone with even an inkling of common sense really wants. Like, I'm not sure after watching this World Cup, I buy that the gap is closing. Why? Because Jill Ellis did not play her best soccer. Like, she didn't. Like, she made bad calls. Like, Lindsay Horan being on the field was a bad, not being on the field was a bad call. Playing Megan Rapino and her being kind of bad outside of 
maybe 20 to 25 minutes collectively in her games was a bad choice. Like, especially with the health she had on the roster, like the U S is deeper than any other team in this world cup, like deep enough. You could have split it into added in, you know, 15 random NWSL players. And these two teams would have met in the final. Like, I don't know if I buy it's getting closer. I think I buy the U S is getting better, but I don't know if I buy the world is catching up. It did feel like there was, it felt like the U S obviously just rolled through the group stage and then struggled after that. But yeah, it's like, we'll never really know as long as Jill Ellis is the coach, like how much is her, how much is the strength of the players or, um, like, is Ellis have, you know, quality that people don't see? Um, because back-to-back World Cups, I feel like, does give you a right to the job. Like, maybe you're not doing great, but, like, two World Cups in a row, I don't know what more you can ask for from a coach. Fair, but even if you look at games that the United States were not involved in, you're still seeing pockets of resistance and growth um, in areas of the world that you haven't really seen before, um, like uh, South Africa. Um, and obviously they, they were horrible, right? But some of those striking options, I think that at least at a bare minimum, there was more of a, in whether it's due to social media, whether it's due to, you know, a variety of different factors. I think that there is more of a, hey, we're here, the World Cup exists, and not just for the United States, for other teams. I felt that other teams in this tournament probably felt like they could chase the United States, even, you know, obviously taking into account that Jill Ellis isn't the best coach on the planet. Like, I still will stand by that. I think that gap is closing. And that is good for soccer. I think the world is getting better. I I don't want it to sound like I think the world is stagnating. Like, I think England is better than they were four years ago. I think Netherlands is better than they were four years ago. I think a lot of countries are much better than they were four years ago and in a better place. But I also think the U.S. has gotten better at at an equal rate. You know what I mean? Like, the U.S. is five places ahead I think I still think they're five places ahead but everybody else is also ahead of where they were okay that makes sense so the gap has basically stayed the same it's just the U.S. has grown at the same rate as the rest of the world exactly like that's what I'm saying oh okay I okay that makes more sense I was like very that's why I don't think the gap is closing I I think it's staying the same I think everybody has just gotten better so those games that the U.S. isn't in look better. The games that the U.S. is in that Jill Ellis is not putting her players in good positions also look better in terms of the U.S. just not rolling people. But if you put Laura Harvey or Mark Parsons or Vladko and Anofsky or Paul Riley in charge of this team and they put out a more competent and a more sort of cohesive 11 this team wins like they did against Thailand against everybody. Maybe not 13 nothing, but a lot easier than Ellis did. That's fair. That's fair. But, yeah. I mean, 
I would still posit that the world getting better is as a whole is much better than closing the gap anyways, right? Because those steps forward are still being taken. Um, you know, Argentina can, oh, excuse me. Um, you know, Argentina plays some incredible soccer when their federation has done nothing for them and proves to the world that, oh, hey, maybe we can do this. Like, that is a good thing for the global game. It's good for Argentina. It's good for the NWSL. Um, the game being competitive, even in games that the United States aren't in, is good for people to look and say, oh, um, maybe, like, female athletes aren't inferior to, you know, to male athletes. Overall, I think this World Cup has been very, very good on that front. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think it's... It is exciting to see everyone improve. I like that the U.S. is still winning. Um, thinking about the, you know, I was right before the game finished, I was like, when was the last time I watched a team I supported win a major trophy? And it was the U.S. women in 2015 because I support Tottenham Hotspur, Real Salt Lake, Utah Royals now, uh, the U.S. men who don't ever win anything. Uh, and the U.S. women's national team. Um, and part of me just feels like the U.S. Uh, women are kind of like the saving grace to my to my fandom because it's like so nice to watch a team win consistently. Like I'm always sort of jealous of uh, one of the show founders, uh, Ryan Kelly, as because he's a Bayern Munich fan, and Bayern just wins so much, so like all the time that, you know, Tottenham went to the Champions League final and it was not a fun game and I was sad the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> Utah Rose had a rough season last year uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, it was good for what it was and I think it was a successful season, but they didn't win anything and Tottenham again. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm a Red Sox fan, so we're either on top of the world or we're absolute garbage there there is no in between there's no oh yeah they're pretty good this year it's like they're the best in baseball or they're hot garbage yeah. tottenham is the last five years have been consistently good and just missed out on so many trophies i'm sorry my friend yeah it's life soccer is a microcosm of life maybe uh the royals will go on a run um, whether whether national teamers back get into the playoffs and you can go to the final and I'll buy you a beverage of your choice and we can talk about soccer uh, before covering the final. That is that's a deal. I am absolutely up for that. Virjo, I will include you in this if you travel to the final as well. I I will try. I'll see what's happening finances wise. Um, go fund me to come. <laughs> I so this is this is my plan. My wife and I have a savings account that is specifically for the 2026 World Cup because it's going to be in the U.S. Um, and if either RSL or the Royals make it to a final, some of those funds will be diverted. <laughs> That's smart. I should do that. We're, we're putting aside like tw we're putting aside like twenty five dollars a month, so it's not a lot, but you know in seven years or whatever it should be enough to get us to a couple games i will be driving to north carolina from new york um it's about a 12-hour trip 
but it's only about because my car gets ridiculous gas mileage um, for a non-electric. My car gets like 550 uh, miles to a tank. It's only like 25, 26 bucks to fill up. So I'll be able to get there for like 50 bucks each way. That's um, awesome. So I'll be driving. I'll be driving forever, but I will be uh, driving down for the final in North Carolina, which at some point we'll probably talk about placement, but uh, probably not this episode. Very cool. I love tangents. Hey, so um, Kelly O'Hara kissed her girlfriend. Um, and I wanted to talk about that for a minute, if you guys are all right with that. Yeah, it was a badass moment. So I wrote a piece about Mandy Laddish a couple of weeks ago and her making me cry in a pizza uh, parlor parking lot for writing a, a really moving uh, piece about her journey of, of self-discovery and sort of figuring out who she was as a person. And this moment just sort of made me smile. Um, it's one of those moments that normalizes things for people who don't necessarily see themselves in sort of that Pinot vibe or, you know, sort of the Ashlyn Harris or Ali Krieger vibe. Like there are different types of people. And I think, you know, Kelly O'Hara is goofy and fun but she's really good and she's respected and she's sort of, you know, on the field, she is just a badass. And I think her just walking up, kissing her girlfriend the same way that Lindsay Horan kissed her boyfriend or Julie Ertz kissed her husband or, you know, any of the other players got that moment. I think her doing it without sort of any preamble, without having to put out a post, without doing anything other than just getting a moment of just pure, bliss after a game is important and I can remember when Abby Wambach was the only player on this team that was out and sort of how people talked about it and how even how people talked about it in 2015 um and now there are six players that are out um Allie Krieger, Ashlyn Harris, Megan Rapinoe, Kelly O'Hara in whichever way she is, uh Tierna Davidson and A.D. French and I think that is important and I think that moment was really, really cool. And after, you know, the head injury um, from O'Hara, you sort of, you wanted her to have a really sort of great end of tournament moment. And I think this was a, a great way for her to cap off what could in theory be her last World Cup. Why did it have to end it like that? It could be her last World Cup. That's so sad. That's so beautiful. It could be Tobin Heath and Kristen Press and uh -huh. Becky Sauerbrunn's and Alex Morgan's and Megan Rapinoe's last World Cup, too. And I think... Carly Lloyd 2023. Carly Lloyd 2027. I don't know what you're talking about, this 23 draft. <laughs> Carly's going to Carly's gonna stop playing soccer when the um, Borg implants that she has injected into herself wear out. I don't know how Carly Lloyd hasn't blocked me on Twitter besides me never tweeting about her. But just how fast she blocks people, I feel like she would just know that I think things. Oh, man. I am blocked on Twitter by Carly Lloyd. You do, you, Carly. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of this team in a way of just being sort of political and queer and badass in a way that for a long time this team sort of not ran from, but was a lot more careful and a lot more sort of gun shy 
sort of when it came to how they express themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think back to 99, which, like, I, I didn't watch, but, you know, I've certainly seen a lot from it. I've read a lot about it. Like, the the moment of uh, Brandy Chastain ripping off her uh, her jersey and, like, the iconic photo, and she's in her sports bra, like, and that, that upset a lot of people, and that was, like, the issue um, to now to where, like, the team is actually advocating for very meaningful things. Like, and they were then too, like they were both trailblazers and a team that had huge accomplishments, but um, it feels like it's a different level now. Like they're very comfortable with themselves. Um, They know who they are and they're also fighting for really good causes and causes I believe in. Um, So it's exciting to see like, yeah, like kind of how you kicked off this discussion, RJ, Kelly O'Hara just being herself and being, you know, in a relationship and not making a big deal out of it, not hiding it either. Um, I think that's huge. Agreed. Agreed. Um, on that note, I've seen some people talk about like, why do we need to make these moments political, right? Because as soon as the World Cup ends, it's like, go oh, back to the lawsuit. I think that... It comes from, and I don't mean to be abrasive in the way that I say this, but I think that you have to come from a place of privilege for anything not to be political for you. Everything is political, whether it's money, uh, policies, everything is political. And I think particularly when you're playing a sport, one, not only do you have a platform, but two, if you're a female athlete, specifically a queer female athlete or a queer black female athlete, um, you are coming from a place of marginalization where everything is political. So to have a platform, I do not think there is a better time to talk about the lawsuit than immediately after the game ends. I think that's the perfect time to bring it up. And so the fact that this team is being political and they are talking about change and whether it's quietly or whether it's, you know, Megan Rapinoe screaming at the top of her lungs Yay! Right? Um, I think these are steps forward as a society we need to make. And I think it's cool that this is happening. And it's important that it's happening any way you do it. Whether it's, you know, Megan Rapinoe or whether it's, you know, obviously Kelly, what she talked about. It's all so, so, so important. And frankly, not to, you know, expose my political beliefs. But it makes me want to support this you know, this national team even more. Also, we should point out this team has, I believe, at my last count, the most uh, women of color on it that it's ever had. I believe it's five, six, which isn't like half the team, but it is a lot more than back in the Bree Scurry, you know, one of the only dark-skinned women on the team. So I think that's also like seeing Crystal Dunn like start like that is going to be a huge thing for for some people and seeing ad french on the team and seeing jess mcdonald and kristen press and mal Pugh and and everybody else i think i think we sometimes gloss over it because it's like well you know they're kristen press has been on the team forever why does it matter that she's you know not white and you know but it does matter because she's not yeah and i think people just get sick of us bringing it up but i think it is important 
it is important to me that this team is not all white. It is important to me that Tierna Davidson hasn't really ever watched the U.S. national team and not seen somebody who's out on it. And it isn't, like, out in the way of, like, Megan Rapinoe, but her and her girlfriend just are 20-year-olds and 21-year-olds that just have a life and are just happy. And that's really fucking important <laughs> to to make people comfortable and to make this a, a team that you can rally around. And if you don't rally around that openness and inclusiveness, I, I would ask you to think about why. Why does women and why do women of color or queer women having a space to be powerful, why does that sort of make you nervous? And why does that make you question things? Like, because I understand it can be abrasive. Like, I, I understand that. But think about why. That why does this bother me? Not just this bothers me, so it's bad. That's that's perfect, RJ. It's perfect. I think um, going back to one other comment that I have in terms of, um, you know, having more women of color on this team, too, is we look at... Right. So take U.S. demographics, take U.S. economics. Soccer is very largely a pay-to-play club sport. You have to have money, you have to have capital to put into soccer to make it a lot of, you know, to make it a lot of places. And not to generalize, but for many places in the United States, communities of color don't always have that capital. They don't tend to have that access as much as, um, you know, like white suburban communities do. So I think that's a testament even more to how important it is that there are, um, you know, multiple women of color on this team who are not only on this team, but they're just won a world championship. Also, Jess McDonald matters because she shows that the NWSL in some small way does actually matter. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, Jessica McDonald, single mom, ready to give up soccer. Boom. Yeah, she doesn't play a whole ton in the World Cup, but she's part of that team and she's one of the best strikers in the league. Yeah, like it is exciting to see progress. I think it's really easy to feel um, really negative about our country. I know I do 98% of the time. Um and to see, yeah, these women celebrated and these women, like, win it all. And win it all in a decisive way. Um, just thinking about Rapino's kind of, um, you know, interaction with Trump. And then her going and winning just everything. Like, feels really validating. Um, and it feels, feels good in an age where, yeah. Our country sucks in a lot of ways right now. And I'd also like to point out, like, if you're on the other side of some of this, like, if you're somebody who does have, you know, strong religious leanings, like, there are players like Tobin Heath or Morgan Bryan or Emily Sauna that have talked about their faith and talked about it openly and how much of a guiding force it is for them. So it's not just, you know, all Megan Rapinoe out there or Ashlyn Harris out there, like, you can find somebody on this team who you can connect with if you take the time to actually look at the players on this team. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I guess that's uh, the closing of uh, 
we promise not to be political. Sorry, we're political again segment of the Utah Royals FC show. <laughs> um, one closing World Cup thought that I want to bring up is that everyone made it through healthy. I don't think I told you all this, but um, I had a dream that like Rachel Corsi broke her foot um, in the middle of the tournament, and I'm so glad that it didn't actually happen. Obviously, uh, we don't know the results of Kelly's concussion-like syndromes, but regardless... Alcohol poisoning. <laughs> right. Um, but re- regardless, like she is going to be good to go by the 19th, I'm sure. So I'm glad that no one broke any bones going into this tournament. Um, also, just so we, I don't forget later, um, Vero is 100% ready to go for the game against... Uh, Sky Blue coming up. All right, shall we talk about the game against Rain FC? I was so close to saying Seattle Rain, the SeaTac Rain. Shall we talk about that real quick? <laughs> I mean, the the league still calls them uh, Seattle Rain FC in their hashtags. So <laughs> yeah, that's odd. Whatever, do your thing. That was a rough game. I I was uh, uh, photographing it, so. And I, I didn't go back and watch it. I probably should have, but it just seemed too depressing to spend 90 minutes like reliving after having been, you know, a couple of feet from the pitch the first time around. But uh, not great. Yeah, I don't blame you, man. I didn't go back and watch it either. It was, it was rough. I think to quote Mandy Lattish's post game, and you know, Harvey said it too, is that we just weren't good enough. We were flat. Sometimes you come out flat, you try to fix it at halftime, and you just can't execute, so you just move on to the other one. It just was not a good game for us in every regard. Um, Jess Fishlock is a monster, a literal dragon. Uh, Super bummed that she sort of broke her ACL because she's a fantastic representative and ambassador for the league. Um, But, I mean... Up until that point, she was just wrecking our defense. And so you hate to see a player down. Yeah, what happened on that play? I don't know. They did not show it on the stream. Yeah, oh. it, was, it, it was it was off ball or uh, off stream. Um, I was looking at something else in person at the game. I, I have no idea what happened. But... Um, ACL yeah. tears are legit and uh, not in a good way. So the the thing about this game, and I watched it a couple of times, and some parts I wish I didn't. How do you um, put yourself through that? It's the burden I take by doing the job that I do. Um, <laughs> I have both a sadist and a masochist occasionally when it comes to soccer. Um, but the thing that frustrates me with Utah is you can tell that Laura Harvey has a plan. You can tell that every player on the team knows what that plan is. And you can see them being a step late or a touch heavy or just the players just, it's just not coming together. And you can see them sort of get this look in their eyes of not being able to fix it because the players that you would turn to, to fix that are gone right now. Vero was gone. Kristen press was gone. 
Um, Kelly O'Hara was gone. Katie Bowen was gone. You know, players that you have a lot of the players that are steady. Like Mandy Laddish is an amazing midfielder at her at her best. But she's not that creative spark the way Vero is, right? Like they're just different players. And you have to have a multitude of players on a team. But they're different. So the player that would look at the Seattle Rain team and figure out ways to pick at those seams is gone. And Amy Rodriguez is very good, but if she's not getting the ball a ton and she's not getting sort of these shots that Amy Rodriguez is wont to do. And Vladko knows Amy Rodriguez very well. There's not a whole lot left, right? Because you don't have press to just be, all right, Kristen, we're going to give you a ball 30 yards from goal. Go be Kristen Press. Like, that is a legitimate strategy, right? Like, go be Kristen Press is a legitimate strategy in the NWSL. And they don't have that right now. And they don't have Kelly O'Hara to just take Jess Fishlock on all night. And they don't have, you know, Desiree Scott to just become a black hole in the middle of that midfield to suck all of the attack away. And this, this, the spine of this team, the, the foundation of this team, I think is strong. Gunny and Laddish and Barnhart and sort of all of those players that you want to be solid were kind of solid, but they're just not the players that you're going to turn to and that are going to get it done when the thing you need is creativity and spark and, you know, determination or whatever you want to call, you know, Kelly O'Hara, particular brand of uh, swag on the pitch. This is the thing that frustrates me about the NWSL is in no other like professional top league would you have a World Cup and like a two game break and that's all. Like I I you know, I've been a fan of the Premier League longer than I followed the NWSL. It is unimaginable that they would have the World Cup in the middle of the season and only have a two game break for that. Like and so there's always going to be a massive drop off in talent. And that just, that just sucks. Like there's no way around it. Like unless they either move the time of the year, the world cup is, or move to a winter schedule, which would not really work in this country. You're always going to see a ton of drop off um, in the quality because, you know, when you have three players out with the best team in the world, six players out, seven players out total, the the players that step up to replace them are probably not going to be as good. Um, and that's fine. That's not a knock in those players at all. However, like, the Royals were facing teams that had similar issues, so it's, it is disappointing to see them not come out a little stronger against a team like Seattle. Real quick, before we talk about Sky Blue, um... Someone just texted this to me, and um, I want to read this real quick. So, 2018 uh, World Cup Final, 11.4 million viewers in the United States. The 2019 Women's World Cup Final, 14.3 million viewers in the United States. That's a 22% increase from the Men's World Cup last year. thought that was a fun stat. That is a fun stat. It's amazing that people like watching women's soccer. It's I'm shocked. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, shall we chat more about the Sky Blue game? Let's do it. Um, 
in short, for me, this is a must win. Like, you have to obliterate them. Um, internationals should be back, at least in terms of Desiree Scott, Rachel Corsi, Katie Bowen. Yeah, I was I was told that everyone who's not a U.S. national team player should be available for selection. The exception being Diana Matheson, because it's just not exactly clear how injured she is. Um, we'll find that out eventually. Uh, but I was at training on Friday. Um, Vera was in France, um, part of like a Legends thing for uh, the World Cup. But um, she'll be back and available for selection um, on Friday. She uh, should be fine health-wise, like Harvey said after that uh, the loss against Serene. If that game had been on Sunday instead of Friday, there's a good chance Farrow would have been available. Um, so she should be, you know, more or less fully healthy. But we could very well see like Bowen and Corsi back in the back line, which would be just so incredible. Um, see Desiree Scott back in her, you know, destroying the defensive midfield role. Um, so yeah, I mean, Sky Blue has that. Um, just fired their manager bump, um, and hopefully that has worn off by Friday. It did not go well the last time they did uh, the coaches by committee. Um, I covered the team heavily that year. Um, it did not go well. I'll just leave it there. They, I mean, they did. You know, Denise Reddy won one game out of 33. The coach by committee is uh, one for one. I still don't think it'll be great. Um, But a lot of, at least from what I've heard, a lot of their failures just come from Denise Reddy being a toxic person. So I don't think they'll be good. Um, But I do have confidence in Sky Blue uh, to win more than a single game this year. Like the, the person they had as coach of record has a class D license with U.S. soccer. I think that Sky Blue will get lucky again this year. <laughs> that is very possible. <laughs> um, on the note of Sky Blue, I was talking to our good friend Ian, and I told him that the coach has a D license. Uh, and Ian told me that he's really close to that, and he's going to apply for the job uh, for the sake of fun. Oh. So, uh, all right. We, we will keep you updated on that. One more thing. Sorry, ADHD all over the place. On Diana Matheson, um, still in a boot. I don't think we see her again this year. I don't know if we see her again ever. Apparently, the foot surgery was pretty gnarly. Shall we go to listener questions? Let's do it. All right, so Aaron says, thoughts on Stangle's quieter year? I will let you go first, Lucas. Yeah, it's disappointing. I... I was really looking forward to good production from her and from A-Rod. Um, and I think A-Rod has been really solid this year for the most part, but it's been a bizarre drop-off from, from Stangle. Like, I I don't know what's going on there, but, um, you know, this is sort of the stretch when, when the team needed her most, and uh, she just hasn't been able to produce. Unfortunately, this is not a quiet year this is more in line with her average production yeah um it's unfortunate because i like katie single and i think she 
is a good player, but she is a player of a bygone era. She is more like Abby Wambach than Alex Morgan in terms of just their sort of current favor style of playing. Like she is that big, tall, strong forward who can muscle you off the ball and put a head or a boat on it. And that works sometimes. Last year we saw it work quite well for good stretches. But when teams figure out how to neutralize you in a system, it's really easy for teams to neutralize that type of player. I agree with that. Um, Especially if you look historically, you know, Katie Stengel is not a star. Katie Stengel has never been a star. Uh, Katie Stengel will never be a star. She had, you know, in her time with the Washington Spirit, four goals in 26 games. Um, With the you know, with the Boston Breakers in 2017, she played 12 games and get a single goal. She's torn it up in Australia. She's done really well um, when she played for West, the Western Sydney Wanderers, uh, six goals in 12 games. Newcastle Jets, 13 goals in 18 games. But that's a much, much different league with much less quality defenders. I think this is definitely... Um, you know, I think it's a drop-off from what she's capable of. I don't think it's a major drop-off from her average. I think she definitely can do better. But like you said, RJ, I think she she's a bruiser. And in this league, bruisers, in, you know, and not just in this league, but in the way that the, the global game is going as a whole, I don't think there's a whole ton of place for a bruiser. Um with the way that the game is going. And I don't know, she may become a a trade piece. No, I think there is definitely a place for her on the Utah Royals, but I think it's a sub. Like, if, you know, you're 65 minutes into a game and A-Rod and Press can't break, you know, whatever team you're, or your, you know, level end goals and you just need to put somebody big and strong in, she's an excellent option. Like, I think she's somebody who could be a fantastic role player. I just don't think she's going to be that player that she she was last year. But I think if you use her sort of smartly and in the right circumstances, like, she's a great player to have in your toolbox. So I don't, I don't want to um, sort of discount her there. I think she's an incredibly important type of player to have. I just think you know, A-Rod and Press probably are who you start with, and then you bring her on sort of in those situations. Absolutely, absolutely. Don't expect her to be the star and go out and bang a whole ton of goals, which I think is sort of the the mindset that we had for this year, just because it was what we experienced last year. But she's definitely not that kind of player. Great take, RJ. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't expect her to have a huge year simply because A-Rod was coming back from injury. We signed press halfway through the season. So I think I expected there to be a drop-off from the six goals she had last year, but I didn't think we would be this deep in the season and she, you know, didn't have a goal or an assist. Um, It's a little bit surprising because she has quality, like she can finish and she's had chances, but it just, it hasn't come off, and yeah, I think maybe she's been figured out a bit. I'm not not sure exactly what. I think a lot of it's confidence. 
Yeah, strikers are. That's one of those positions where confidence has so much to do with how you how you play. I think she was feeling it a lot last season, and for whatever reason, maybe isn't this year. We need to get her on the podcast. We need to. I'm I'm dropping hints to try to get us on the rethink podcast. I don't know if it'll happen. I think there's a big line, but that would be cool. That one's that one's my favorite rethink. Oh, it, it's a, it's it's so funny. I love it. I love it. All right. Um. So Justin asks, would could players opt out of the victory tour? Um. Uh, I don't see why any player would want to. I don't know the specifics, but I'm pretty sure that even if you wanted to, you would not be able to. Do you have any insight on that, RJ? I do, actually. Um, so technically, um, any player is allowed to turn down a call up um, to their national team. Except for the fact that FIFA will punish you if you do. Um, basically, if your federation, say, I'll use Becky Sauerbrunn as an example. You know, Becky Sauerbrunn really wants to be with the, the Utah Royals the day they're going to play at the Rose Bowl. She just, you know what, we need this, we need this, I want to captain my team. And U.S. Soccer says, no, we're, we're pulling you anyway. If she says no, FIFA, who oversees all of us, can say, okay, you don't have to take the call up but you're suspended until this competition is over, which would be the, the one game friendly. So in theory, you can, and sometimes players do turn down call-ups, um, but FIFA does have the rights um, to basically force your hand by either threatening to suspend you or to suspend you if you don't um, participate, because in FIFA's book of all things soccer, uh, country does take precedence over club. Well, cool. Um, Stockton wants to know how good is it to have Desiree Scott in the midfield? The answer to that question, my friend, is very, very good. Very, very good. Um, it is a Sam Kerr backflip uh, amount of good. <laughs> I, I think she was, and this surprised me, but I think she was the player the Royals missed most during the World Cup stretch. I... I having her back will just be massive to the rest of the team. She just helps everyone around her and just controls that midfield so well. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see her play again. She also pushes everybody up forward. So Vero's closer to goal, Gunny's closer to goal, Laddish is closer to goal, um, which is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, John wants to know the return of World Cup players resurgence of energy or do we continue to with the path that we seem to be on which is to say lackluster i think there's a massive return in energy i think there's a massive return in energy all the way across the league yeah i mean we this will be my first uh time watching an nwsl team closely after the world cup but I do remember in 2014 when Beckerman and Ramondo came back for Real Salt Lake from the U.S. men's national team. Those guys were both so sharp. They looked, they were just on another level. Um, granted, you know, like it's a little bit different, but I, I think we're going to see a lot of confidence from the U.S. players at the very least. 
I think it depends. I, th- I think there will be a general feeling of energy. Um, I don't know if necessarily the quality of play will follow. Um, I do think some of that is going to depend on, you know, did Kelly O'Hara get a concussion? If she did, how bad? You know, did Becky Sauerbrunn get a concussion, which people don't seem to be talking about? If she did, how bad? You know, how is press feeling coming back? How is Corsi feeling coming back? How is, you know, Tobin Heath and Lindsay Horan and, you know, Christine Sinclair, who they will all be facing, how are they feeling? Um, I, I think some players are probably going to head to the e, uh, OR and get things taken care of that they've been holding off until the, the World Cup was over, as they did in 2015. All right. Um, John also wants to know, instead of women of the match, can we change that to queen of the match? I think that's a blatant ripoff of the most noble order of the lioness. <laughs> and I break it down with the full force of my uh, my uh, granted powers. Oh, I love that. I love that. Thoughts, Lucas? Ah, I don't really feel strongly about it. <laughs> don't we call them player of the match, or do we say woman of the match? I think it's woman of the match. I, I, yeah, could be. In my mind, it was man of the match for MLS players and player of the match, which I thought was weird, but maybe I have just misunderstood the situation entirely. Uh, they call it the Mountain American Woman of the Match. There we go. Okay. So yeah. that is that is the official title post game. Uh, that makes sense. It's it's funnier if you don't know that Mountain America is a credit union, uh, and it's just Mountain America, woman of the match. Like we're a very mountainous state. Uh... I didn't even think of it that way, but that is hilarious. So, question from our friend Ryan. Hey Ryan, um, and uh, obviously uh, one of the founders of the Utah Rose FC show. When are we going to get a World Cup winner like Becky Sauerbrunn, Kristen Press, or Kelly O'Hara on the show? Dude, I don't know. I've been trying to get Desiree Scott on the show since, like, day two. We'll see what happens. I feel like Becky is the most likely out of that group to to sit down for a podcast. I I think what we should do is I just need to ask Roscoe, hey, um, will you chat with your pal Becky Sauerbrunn and see if she wants to talk Zelda and Harry Potter with us? And I think that's probably our in. Also cats. Uh, oh, yes. Don't forget cats. I wonder if Becky Sarabron would come hang out with my kittens. That would be dope. Kelly O'Hara is allergic to cats, which, which you know, upsets me a little bit as, a, as somebody who has a cat. Wait, so how many cats do you have? Just one? I, I have one. Her name is Fenway because I'm a Red Sox fan. Nice. Richard, you have two kittens and an older cat, right? I do have two kittens. So we have six cats between three people. That's kind of incredible. I love it. I love it. Um, My mom used to work for the uh, Utah Humane Society. So between the ages of like one to three, um, when they couldn't get a cat out, but they didn't have enough like space for it. So growing up between one to three and anywhere between like three to seven, just like random cats in my house at any given time was pretty great. That's funny. All right. Um, last comment, our guy Roscoe 
wants me to just talk about my life and how I've been doing <laughs> for the last 15 minutes. Um, as much as I'd love to do that, uh, we're going on at least uh, pre-editing and dropping things down um, an hour and 16 minutes. Um, so we will just start off the episode next week with me just chatting about how my week went. Not 15 minutes, because putting that together <laughs> oh, would I'm require kidding. A, a Herculean effort on my part, uh, the lowly editor of this year we'll, we'll release it as a special. I'll just be, like, chewing on a bag of chips, and we'll just have a bunch of, like, uh, awkward silences and just the, the chewing of chip sounds as I talk about, I don't know, uh, how I slept the night before. Talking to Vero, I assure you ladies and gentlemen you also get a lot of awkward silences like it is it is a feature not a bug <laughs> all right um thanks everyone for listening to episode 67 of the utah royals fc show we will chat with you next week